So the people left the town and set out to go to him. Lord, thank you for this word that you've given me. And I pray that I will give it by the power of your Holy Spirit and that your Holy Spirit will speak to every single person that hears and it will be a blessing and an encouragement and a challenge. I ask it for your name, in your name, Lord, and for, for your glory. Amen. I want to speak about praise. Why we praise God, how we praise God, and when we praise God. I did have a film, but me and Marilyn couldn't manage to get it together. But I've I've got an image, Marilyn, to start us off. Just about creation, to begin with. We praise God when we look at the beautiful world that we live in and all the creation. We look at the heavens and our little planet that we are all attached to. We're attached to a globe, suspended in space, aren't we? (laughs) It's amazing, really, isn't it? And if you look at the person next to you, they are wonderfully made. We're all created by God. And our planet is a tiny planet compared to some of the planets. Our planet is like a speck, a tiny speck that you can hardly see compared to some of the planets in the universe. And we see the glory of God and the greatness of God in the great things. But we also can see the greatness of God in the tiniest, tiniest things. Now, it used to be, uh, the smallest thing used to be a grain of sand. And then they discovered the atom. And that was the smallest thing. And then they discovered that they could split the atom. And inside the atom, there were three things protons, neutrons, and electrons. So they were the smallest things, three in one. And then in the 60s, they discovered that inside a proton and a neutron, getting all technical now, the children's version, (coughs) are three quarks. So there are three quarks in every proton and neutron. The tiny, you can't see them, not even with the strongest uh, microscope, but they know that every quark is shaped like an oval, the same shape as a sound wave particle, and God said. (laughs) And this three in one, and God said, three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit created the world, created us, body, soul, and spirit. And there is your tiniest, tiniest thing And it has all the colour spectrum in it. And you can see, can't you, the greatness of God in the tiniest, tiniest thing. I might have got that a bit wrong. I don't know. But that's what I've learned when I've been studying it. And our brains, our created brains. um, There's a doctor called Caroline Leaf. I don't know whether any of you have heard of her. But she's a... A neuroscientist, she studies the brain and the mind. And um, she says it's mathematically impossible for randomness to produce this kind of order. And she's talking about the human brain. 
So why do we praise God? 1 Thessalonians 5.16 It is the will of God for you to thank God in everything. And the very last Psalm 150, the very last verse 6, says, Let everything that has breath and every breath of life praise the Lord, praise the Lord, hallelujah. What a way to end the Psalms. Let everything that has breath, let there be light, let there be sky, let there be planets, the sun, the moon, day and night. Let us make mankind in our image. Why should we praise God? Because he is worthy, because he is holy, and because of Calvary. Because when the veil was torn, it made it possible for us to praise God. Because we could then, we could enter into the very presence of God and worship and praise God in spirit and in truth. Jesus said to the woman at the well, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither merely in this mountain, which is where her people went to worship, nor merely in Jerusalem, but you'll be able to worship God individually. And he gave her such a message of, a wonderful message of good news that she left apart and rushed back to tell everybody. A time had come now when we can praise God. And when we praise God, we activate the Holy Spirit within us and we cause those rivers of living water to flow. Why should we praise God? Because we were made to praise God. We were created to praise God. That is why we are here. It's a basic human instinct. And if people don't worship the Creator, like we have done this morning, and many, many people in churches all over our land have worshipped God this morning, if people don't do that, they will worship something. I don't know whether you watched any of Glastonbury, but there's 135,000 people at Glastonbury for three days and nights, on and off, singing all together like this. And they knew all the words to all the songs. You notice that. Even the children know all the words. Now, Glastonbury was started, interesting this. Michael Evis started Glastonbury in 1970. He was a dairy farmer. And he had this land, and he thought, I could do this. He'd seen a couple of festivals popping up, and he thought, I could do this on my land. So at his first festival, 1,500 people, a pound each. I don't know how much it costs now, but I think you can go on a package holiday abroad for less. And free milk. <laughs> it was a dairy farm. And he was interviewed, I don't know it was last year or the year before, it was when the Rolling Stones were playing at Glastonbury, and uh, he was interviewed, and um, he was asked, out of all the singers and the, the bands that play all these years, what's your favourite? And he said, well, he said, to be honest, there's a church on my land, and there's nothing I like more than to go there and sing the hymns. That's my favourite. Isn't that great? I was really blessed by that. And God blesses the praises of his people. And God inhabits the praises of his people. 
Why else should we praise God? Well, before we go any further, we went to me and uh, Eileen over there. (laughs) Me and Eileen went to Wembley Arena and there was 10,000 women. It was a Hillsong conference. If you ever get a chance to go to Hillsong, it's absolutely fantastic. And uh, there was 10,000 women all together praising God, and it was loud. It wasn't it loud, Eileen? <gasps> it was a bit loud, really, for Eileen. But I, it, it was that loud. Music got into your body, and your body was vibrating with it. <clears throat> and next door to Wembley Stadium, at Wembley Arena, is the stadium that holds 90,000. And I think Ed Sheeran was playing last week, and there were 90,000 people all going, whoa, whoa, whoa whatever his song is. <laughs> So Alice is going to go and share about our experience at Wembley. Yes. Overall, the Colour Conference was a great experience. Or colour. You see, they're Australian, these people who, um, who got it, and, and they talk different to us, don't they? Colour conference, as we say. But I found the worship was a, a bit of a problem for me because one thing, I didn't know any of the songs. You see, Hillsong have their own worship team, their own songs. And, and I mean, I didn't know any of those. And I like the old hymns. <clears throat> they don't call them hymns now, do they? They call them worship songs. But I like the hymns. Um, I think there was maybe one that I knew. But when they started the, the, the worship, um, you know, the band, guitars, singers, everything, oh, and the noise, and they started throbbing, and I could feel it. And I thought, oh, I don't think I like this. Janice was all right with it. But um, I thought, oh, I don't like this. It got one of the sessions, and you know, that we had the worship before every session. Uh, and on one of the sessions, I'm thinking, oh, please don't sing another song. <laughs> let, let, let the speaker come on, please. And at one time, I thought, I said to Janice, Janice, I'm going to go out for a bit. I can't do any more of this. I'll come back in when the speaker's on, which. I did, so I went down, and it, oh, it was wonderful. Oh, got outside in the fresh air, and this young man come up to me, I think he was one of the helpers, well, he would have been, and he said, are you all right? And I said, yes, yes, I'm fine. I said, but it's a bit noisy in there. And, and he said, oh, he said, the worship is wonderful, he said. I said, "Mm, yeah. I said, but it's a bit loud. He says, you get used to it. And I thought, "Mm, I don't really know if I want to. But uh, but that's the thing, you see. The younger generation, of which it seemed the most, the the women there were in the 20s, 30s, 40s. I think I was one of the oldest there. They was loving this, and 
course, when, as soon as the music started, they were on the feet and their arms in the air and singing and dancing. There were a, a couple of coloured girls in front of us, do you remember? Mm. And they were dancing away. They were full of bling, you know. And, and I was watching these, <laughs> all the bracelets and everything, and the rings are all glittering. And of course, they, but they, and they think, all oh, this noise. But you see, that's the thing. The, the younger people just really love that. Um, it, it seems that uh, the older generation, of which I'm one, we don't really go in for that. Cause, but um, every generation seems to like their own their own uh, form of worship. Because I can remember at one time here. Um, the people, when, you know, when we got our lovely worship group that we have, people said, oh, they're loud. But believe me, they don't know what loud is <laughs> uh, until they've got to one of these uh, conferences. Um, and, and they even said that this, um, the, the pastor's wife, the pastor and his wife who run the conference, Brian and Bobby Houston, they call. And she came on and she said, the colour will be back next year and it'll be louder than ever. <laughs> and I thought, how much louder can it get? And everybody went, yeah, and clapping. And I thought, mm, I don't think, I don't think for me, thank you very much. But... Um, what, what's to be done about this, really, you see? The, there's, it was great to see all these young people worshipping in their way, but I didn't like it, and I, I suppose maybe a lot of other older people wouldn't like it neither. Um, and one of the speakers, she was saying, um, oh, all, the, all the age groups in the church, we all need each other, um, you know, and... And at one point, she, she sort of, you know how we do here sometimes, we all different age groups, would you stand up if you're such and such and such and such group? And well, she had us all doing that. And uh, when she got to my age group, I think we were dotted rather thinly about the arena. So mostly it was the younger people, and they were absolutely, I can't get away from it, they were loving it. Um, so, how do we reconcile that? I mean, I, I agree, we, we should all be, like, in the church together, it'd be good. But there is that difference. They, 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 we're talking to a young woman, and she went to a Hillsong church somewhere down south, and she, oh, she was glowing, she loved it. I thought, well, they're praising God, aren't they? And they're, they're worshipping in their way, and they're loving it. So, we can't argue with that. So, how do we reconcile that? I don't really know. But um, just to finish, I'd just like to say how grateful I am for our worship team here. I think they're marvellous. You know, the, the musicianship and the singing, it, it's wonderful. I, and, I, and I really appreciate them, and I'm sure we all do. So um, I'll just finish on that one. Thank you, Lord, for Eileen. You know, <clears throat> I have to apologise to her because when we first arrived, I said, right, Eileen, I want to be at the front. 
Oh, I'm not that bold. I, I want to be... Okay, okay. She, okay, what, if that's what you want. I made a queue. <laughs> was it two hours? I think it was two hours we queued. And it was cold, wasn't it? It wasn't raining. I wanted to make a queue in the rain. I, when the doors opened, it was that chaotic. We ended up at the back. <laughs> Didn't we? We couldn't find a, a seat. All the ones at the front were reserved for... Whoever, and we could have just gone and had a coffee, and just when the doors opened, just sauntered in. <laughs> so I'm sorry, Eileen. God bless you. It was good. It was good, though, wasn't it? We're glad we went. We, were, we, were, we only went to hear Joyce Mayer, and she was really good, wasn't she? It was worth it for that. Yeah, but you know. <laughs> Why else should we praise God? Because it is good for you. Why does God want us to praise him? Is God an egomaniac that he wants us all to be praising him all the time? No. It is incredibly good for you to praise God. In Proverbs 3 verse 7, reverently fear and worship the Lord. It shall be health to your nerves and sinews and marrow and moistening to your bones. It will keep you young. God calls us to praise him because it's incredibly good for us. It is good for your health. You'll have more energy. If you spend time praising God, I mean really get into it. Not just say hello, be thy name and then move on. Give God your list. <laughs> but if you really get into you will have a spring in your step. You will have more energy. You will have more enthusiasm. You will have more joy. Philippians 4, 6. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. You know, it's strictly forbidden not to worry. <laughs> forbidden, we're not supposed to worry. But in every circumstance... With thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. Verse 7, and God's peace shall be yours. So you promised peace. It's good for you emotionally. You'll get your priorities right when you praise God and you concentrate on praising God. It's good for you mentally. It's good for your spiritual health. It's good for your focus. Every area of your life will improve when you learn and choose and practice praising God. Dr. Caroline Leaf again, she's my latest. If, just Google her and listen to her lectures, amazing. Have you listened to her? No. Have you heard of her? No. She's a cognitive neuroscientist. And um, she says this. Science shows worship fires up the frontal lobe of the brain, increasing wisdom. And if you don't believe her, Psalm 111 verse 10, the reverent fear and worship of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And in Proverbs 3.14, the gaining of godly wisdom is more precious than rubies, silver 
or fine gold. There's nothing to be compared to wisdom, and that comes through worshipping God. It also says that wisdom, talking about wisdom in verse 17, all her paths are peace. Peace again. Godly wisdom founded the earth and established the heavens. How do we praise God? And we come to the woman at the well. Jesus said to her, A time will come, however, indeed it is already here, when the true, genuine worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now, this took place at Jacob's well, which was at Shechem, in that area, that general area. And it was no coincidence that Jesus was there. Uh, wherever he went, there was a, a, um, an important reason for him being there. And whoever he spoke to, it was all planned. And so it wasn't a coincidence who was at that well. And in that area, is very important and historically. It was a city in the central Israel, and it used to be the capital. It was the first city that Abraham came when, when he entered Canaan. And Abraham's grandson, Jacob, came to Shechem to live with his family. And they arrived outside the town and they pitched the tents and they bought the land. And Dinah, the young daughter of Jacob and Leah, went out to see and meet the other girls. She was friendly and very beautiful and very young. And she was confident and she wanted to meet other girls of her own age. So she went out. And Genesis 34, verse 2. And when Shechem, son of Hamor the Hivite, prince of the country, saw her, he seized her, lay with her, and humbled, defiled, and disgraced her. The messenger is he raped her. Then a strange and unusual thing happened. His soul longed for and clung to Dinah, daughter of Jacob, and he loved her. And verse 4, And Shechem said to his father, Get me this girl to be my wife. Now, you, you know this story. This, the rape set events in motion of trickery and mass murder. Uh, the women and children, all the goods and the cattle were taken into captivity and Jacob was very very upset because his reputation was in tatters they certainly made a name for themselves and I've read this story over and over and over again and I've googled it and I've read other people's opinions of it and I don't know whether maybe Dinah was seduced maybe she loved him What happened to her? Never heard from her again. There's lots of ideas of what happened to her, which are very interesting. But whatever, the daughter of Israel 
was done a great wrong. And women are done a great wrong. Even nowadays, terrible things are happening to women. I don't know how many million women there are in Syria in captivity. And all the trafficking, and it's just horrendous the way women are treated in this day and age now. And it was no different then. Nothing's changed. But when Jesus spoke to that woman, he made all this, all the wrong in the world, Jesus makes right. And he hit all the wrong in that woman's life, all those husbands that she'd had, all those relationships, gone from one relationship to another, trying to find a bit of security, a bit of happiness, a bit of love, just like people do today. And he gave her just what she needed. He gave her, she knew that she was loved by God. She knew, she dropped her, she, she just knew, she dropped her pot and she ran to tell. Her life changed forever. And only Jesus can do that. And so, that daughter of Israel that was done a great wrong, and this woman at the well, we can tie them together, we can bring them together, and we can see the, the work of Jesus Christ in the lives of women today. Now, my cousin Christine, she's going back to Cambodia on Wednesday, and she's in the middle of trying to get guardianship of two twin girls. Uh, the mother is a trafficker. The woman is uh, a sex worker, and she doesn't want these girls, but um, they're in a, like, daycare. And Christine's trying to adopt them or get guardianship of them legally. If she doesn't, they will be sold very soon. So that's how Jesus makes wrong things right through us, through the things that we do to help. When should we praise God? In every circumstance, Philippians 4, verse 6, the good and the bad. The beginnings of everything and the endings of everything. The Lord's Prayer is a good example. It's a template, isn't it? You start your prayer by praising God. Corrie ten Boom says, don't just, when you come to pray, don't just give God a list. Turn up for duty. Offer yourself in worship. Before a meal, Jesus broke bread. He gave thanks. He broke, he broke the bread and he gave thanks. And he said, this is my body broken for you. He gave thanks for all that torture and beating and the crucifixion that he was going to have to go through. He broke the bread and he said, this is my body. And he gave thanks for that. How much more should we thank God? Paul's letters always started with praise. Romans, I thank God through Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians, I thank God at, at all times. 2 Corinthians, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God who is the source of every comfort. 
Galatians, to him be ascribed all the glory through all the ages of ages. Ephesians, praise be to God who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Philippians, in every prayer, I thank God. Colossians, we continually give thanks. 1 Thessalonians, we are ever giving thanks. 2 Thessalonians, we ought and are obligated to give thanks. 1 Timothy, now to the king of eternity, incorruptible and immortal, invisible, the only God, be honour and glory. And it goes on and on. And so we encourage one another. When we're thanking God and worshipping God, we encourage other people around us. But what's the most important time when we should praise God? Well, I, this is what I think. When there is nothing to praise God for. When all hope is gone. Ishmael says in his, before his song, praise the Holy One for who he is not just for what he's done. Let's look at Job. Job chapter 1, verse 20. After he had learned that he had lost all his wealth, his servants and his three daughters and seven sons, verse 20, he arose, rent his robe, shaved his head, fell down upon the ground and worshipped God. And he said, The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed, praised, and magnified in worship be the name of the Lord. And then further on in Job, uh, chapter 19, verse 7. This is, I've taken all this from just those, these few verses. After he has cried for help, and no help comes. After being stripped of all his glory, after he has been broken down on every side, after all hope is gone, pulled up like a tree, after all his kinsfolk and friends have forgotten him, after being counted as a stranger and an alien, after he has become repulsive to his wife and loathsome to his siblings, after he is despised by young children, after he is abhorred by those he has loved, Then he says, in verse 25, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at last he will stand upon the earth. There was nothing to look at, to praise God for, on the earth. So what did he do? With wisdom, he looked for the future. He looked to that day when his Redeemer will stand upon the earth. And when there's nothing left in our lives to praise God for, we can look to the future, can't we? We can look to eternity. This is, we're only here for a little time anyway, aren't we? Listen to these lyrics. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. And this. When I get to heaven, going to put on my robe, going to shout all over God's heaven, and this, we'll soon be free, we'll soon be free, when the Lord will call us home. These songs came from the mouths of Negro slaves. 
They had little hope in this world, but an abiding hope in the next. When slavery was abolished in 1865, churches started to appear. And the Negro spiritual songs were heard. They'd been sung in the plantation praise houses and in, in the woods in secret. And there were shouts and clapping and stomping and hand clapping and all that kind of thing going on. All new. And the songs that they sang, you all know them. Every time I feel a spirit, he's got the whole world in his hands. I ain't going to grieve no more. This little light of mine. And all these songs became gospel songs, blues, soul, Glastonbury. <laughs> Here's a little, um, Marilyn. Here's a, a little song from those times.
children, stop your grumbling. Oh, that's a block for stumbling. Just keep on working and praising. You'll see that you'll conquer someday. Just tell the world for me, my soul's done set me free. That's the song I'll sing till they put me under the clay. Yay. (laughs) Bringing it right up to present day. Recently there was some, some shootings in Charleston. You will have seen it on the news. I think it was a racial hate crime, but I think there was nine people shot dead in a church. And when it came to the funeral of the Reverend, President Obama gave the eulogy. And if you've not heard it, it's worth, it's worth listening to. This is the last two minutes. want to finish by saying some of us we walk most times we're just walking through our lives sometimes we're skipping sometimes we're dancing sometimes we're running but sometimes we can barely manage a crawl I'm sure we've all been there 
those are the times when we should say, we should muster that strength from within us. No matter how we're feeling, we should say, God, I will praise you. I will praise you, Lord. You are my Lord. And I will praise you. And then, just see what happens. I'll hand back over to Ian. Thank you.